What's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, bro. How are you? Doing pretty good. Just got done teaching class, early morning class. Hell yeah, man. Right on. What kind of numbers do you guys have for morning class? Pretty good turnout? Uh, 6 a.m. is generally anywhere from like 15 to 20, you know? Um, nice. Nice. But, you know, it's, it's early morning, so we get a lot of cops and stuff like that. Yeah, we, man, we've been doing good on our morning class. We have morning class every day of the week, and uh, I teach a couple of them, and it's, it's eight or 10 is yeah. usually about what we've been running. Yeah. So, cool. Nice. Yeah, 6 a.m. It took me, a, it took a while to grow it, you know, but it, it happened quick. Man, and I believe that uh, you have like a super funny viral video you coach at morning class drinking some coffee. But it's oh like yeah super yeah. hilarious i've shared that a few times that i shared it <laughs> just to kind of promo you coming on the podcast but funny stuff well hey well yeah man well i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me i know you've been doing a ton of these interviews and uh you were somebody just you know even before all this coronavirus bullshit and closing down that i would have definitely liked to sit down and talk some jujitsu with um, yeah but uh, you know, how's how have things been going for you guys since you've reopened? Have you have you had any more difficulties from local, you know, administration or anything like that? No, I mean we we got like so I have a, a few. So I was just told like last week this is the newest thing that happened. I haven't really said anything about it because I don't want to like wrap the guy out. So I'm not gonna say his name, but he he's a um, he so he is a part of the board for the county. I had no idea. So he's like been training this whole time, you know. And like I had no idea he was like a part of the the board. Super great guy. Like we get along really well, or whatever, you know. And uh, so he he comes in. He's like, yeah. So I'm a part of the board. And I'm like, oh crap. Okay. So he comes in. He tells me like, yeah. So they we had a meeting and they they talked about the rodeo. So I don't know if you saw. We had a rodeo here that like the governor governor like got super wild about and like made our extended our lockdown or tried anyway mm-hmm. because the city here had a rodeo but anyway so they're talking about that and then they're like well we can't really do anything about that because that brings a lot of money to the to the economy here in Reading, right and then he's like so we got to do something about the jiu-jitsu school <laughs> right so these are like a board right i'm like okay so we've been extremely vocal right so we've been in the paper a few times like all over the internet anyway so they told us they're like so they're like hey we should send them a letter with like more teeth in it so what that means i I didn't know what it means but he explained it to me he's like it's an older saying for like more aggressive letter and and then the somebody else chimed in like do you really want to do that they post everything in the paper and the on social media right and like well no so you know so i think we're in the clear you know what i mean i think we're fine so that was the latest thing i've heard and have more businesses been opening in you guys' community yeah for sure um yeah so it's it's been growing quite a bit i mean now that now it's riots right so now it's not even people don't even care about the virus anymore you know yeah we had um man it's weird here in arkansas i will say like we had a peaceful protest in my town right and then there was this rumor that we were going to have four busloads of protesters arrive to like 
tear up one of our shopping centers. So every redneck with an AR came out of the hills, man. Well, we're, we're here to protect the town. And honestly, <laughs> dude, all that did was escalate the, the tensions and nervousness of everybody, man. I yeah, mean, yeah. imagine if some of those peaceful protesters would have brought ARs. It would have been a different narrative. It was wild. Oh, I know. For sure, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you guys had any issues in your community with riots or protesting peaceful or what? Um, we had one protest day before yesterday that was peaceful. So um, it's like Redding and Cottonwood is kind of like Arkansas. <laughs> like everybody has a lot of guns. <laughs> so I don't think uh, it'll get too crazy, honestly, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, this, uh, like, I, I'm a history professor, and, and another history professor I follow is like, you know, one thing we're really not talking about is like, this, this dude that was murdered, lost his job because of the coronavirus shutdown. And it was allegedly, according to the 911 transcript and stuff was passing a counterfeit $20 bill. Yeah. Right. So, but it's like, oh yeah. So the dude lost his economic well-being and had to like make fake money just to go to the store. Like yeah. that's that's a, a definite cause and effect. Like you could uh, argue, I think these riots. And oh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. But it, I mean, it's it's getting wild, man. For sure, it's definitely like I I I do think that that shouldn't have happened. Like the the whole first thing the murder you know with the riots but that was i mean i do think it was murder because it was a pretty messed up video yeah. but yeah we're we're in a lot of unprecedented territory for our lifetime anyway like i mean it's I, been it's been bad around around the country before 1968 and 19 oh, i mean there's some there's some crazy race riots in 1918 right after world war one yeah but, uh, I've never seen anything like this. I've only read about it. So, yeah, it's nuts, right? Like we're living in hist historic, uh, historic times. You know, it's like a. I mean, never did I once think like I, I you know, I have a jiu-jitsu school. You teach a jiu-jitsu school. It's like never once did I think I was gonna have to shut down because of this shit. And now I'm thinking about like because we were like pretty obviously vocal. We had a lot of you know publicity come out over us opening. So a lot of people know who we are, and we got a lot of windows in the front, right? So I'm like, crap, dude. You know what I mean? So we got to get everything expensive out of the gym, you know? And, like, we have a safe here that I also have to, like, in, at least clear out because it's heavy as shit. So it's like, all right, well, you know, it's just – I never did I think in my life I was going to get prepared for these sort of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? So – yeah, that's one thing I've thought about quite a bit. I think like this is entrepreneurs though. This is the type of shit that like we kind of probably talk about and think about, but never I mean, how could we have planned for this? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But but maybe we can learn from this and have a plan because I mean, dude, we're looking like what if this happens again in six months type of situation? I, I, I think that there will be um, massive resistance to a second shutdown, but you know. Oh gosh. The, so this is the thing. Like, I, I, I don't want to, I'm honestly not much of a conspiracy theorist, but it is kind of interesting. Like the goals, what were the goals for the lockdown? The goals were to keep everybody safe. We hope anyway. Right. But further deeper meaning was, you know, if people don't obey the lockdown, they declare martial law all of these things, right? They, they, um, they bring out the national guard, right? 
tell people to stay inside, give people a curfew. San Diego just last um, announced last night that they have a curfew because of the riots. I'm like, well, so they're just trying to get the same thing, right? The same goals and in a different way. And yeah, and that National Guard has been deployed at least in half a dozen states. At least. Yeah, it, it, it's like, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> you know, it's like they just literally changed it all up on us. And I haven't heard one damn thing on the media about the coronavirus, except for memes saying, hey, where'd the coronavirus go? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, did it you sucks because the- you can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? I mean, we can do little things, but nothing that makes a huge difference. You know, exactly. You're just kind of long for the ride. Did you see this umbrella man guy in Minneapolis? That's been freaking me out. What the fuck? I saw saw that. Yeah, that was gnarly. (sighs) Yeah. So, and I, man, I was sincerely worried with all these dudes walking around with these intimidation tactics last night that something like that was going to happen right here in my town. Because we we had a, a a freaking Nazi rally in Russellville, Arkansas. Because there was a Holocaust memorial rally here, like a big one in the state, and some, the Nazis showed up to protest it. it was no way. Ma- made the national news, and this is like a year ago. So I'm just like, oh, what are we in for now? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's freaking gnarly. Good I time. mean, places like Arkansas, you'd think, like, you know, it wouldn't happen. Like, here we've had a protest, but like I said, it was peaceful, so it wasn't really a big deal. But, you know what I mean? They, like, we have people in Sacramento that are going nuts and that's only two hours from us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and you guys, this community has not had a, a, a lot of cases to begin with of coronavirus and doesn't have a lot right now. Is that the, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of in the same boat. We've had more cases pop up since we have been like going through to phase two of their little reopening plan. But I mean, it's, it's not yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's, it's a like, virus. Yeah, corona. Yeah, I always explain by some of the doctors that train here that corona and COVID are completely different. Corona can be like you could test positive corona and it, it could be like a cold or like it could be a billion different things, right? And then, you know, there's only a few COVID, right? So it's like, oh, well. You know, anyway, it's just we were lied to from the beginning, man. So, you know, know, Rhonda Patrick was talking about, was explaining some of that, like the difference in like uh, COVID 2 and COVID 19, and one's like, you know, I need to rewatch that that episode of Joe's podcast. That was a, she's been on like nine times and it's always like making me feel smart listening to her. Well, dude, so, t- like, tell me about your dad's lineage. That's kind of like how you got into jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, so my dad started in karate, um, and he, honestly, he just liked doing stand-up, and the, the karate was the only thing, and MMA was really a thing yet, because he was, like, 30, he would have been, like, yeah, he would have been, like, 30 years old when UFC 1 came out, right? So, you know, he was doing stand-up because he thought that it was cool, but the MMA wasn't really a thing yet. And then, uh, so he, when UFC 1 came out, he was already a karate black belt. And then, um, you know, obviously, Hoist came out and murdered everyone, right? And then he was like, oh, man, I got to learn this stuff. So my dad had hardware stores, and he um, 
so what was that going on? He was out back there with his buddies, just beating each other up on the ground, like trying to do whatever they, you know what I mean? Obviously sucking. And then uh, a purple belt heard him like slam each other against the ground. And his name was John Dill. And he walked into the hardware store just to get some stuff, you know? And he walked back and back like, just to see what was going on. And they were like, on this like crappy mass, just like beating the crap at each other. So then, like, his purple belt comes back there and rolls with them and just, like, obviously murders everyone. And then after that, you know, they trained, like, you know, three or four days a week for 12 years. So, you know. Wow. So it, what, is your dad's original instructor, did I read he's, like, one of the original Dirty Dozen or something like that? No. So he, uh, James Brand is. That's where he got his black belt. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah. yeah right on. Yeah. So, he, yeah. So, and then, so how many brothers is it? that you have uh four brothers and all you guys trained jiu-jitsu four of us are black belts and one of us uh he's in the military he was wow. in the military since he was 17 so he went in there for a long time he um he wanted to since he was a little kid super weird so yeah but he wanted to be in the military and he was in there for 10 years and now he what does he do he uh um he's a uh what do you call it there's a word for it it's not a bodyguard but it's like a shit man what's the name oh i know a lot of dudes that do that after they get out of the military like a consultant for some sort of security firm yeah like that yeah so it's not a security firm he does it for just random jobs like like he was just on a news crew because obviously news crews need protection right now yeah yeah they're like they he was just on a new like defending a news crew like during all this um in tennessee so man i, I saw a crazy video of a guy um there was like a a police uh, car that had been put out, uh, they put out the fire like a fire extinguisher, right? It had all the suds and stuff on yeah. it. Yeah. And this guy grabs an AR out of the back. And it's like, look, I got this AR. And one of these uh, security guys for the news crew goes over there with his handgun, grabs the Oh, AR. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, I saw the same thing. That, that was, was insane. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. It's case so, of balls, man. It's yeah. Crazy. Man, so what's it like having brothers is training partners that's got to be awesome like all four of you dudes bite belts like that growing up with uh, that we've, we've like? had we've had our <laughs> uh we've had our difficulties with it i mean it's not you know we there's uh, it, it's a big family right so we have five brothers obviously not all of us get along the greatest <laughs> so but when it comes down to um you know it's obviously great having training partners so me and my youngest brother are the one that run this business here and we have two businesses we have one here and one about 45 minutes south and then um so we've worked well together like since the get-go we've always kind of worked well together and that's kind of just been the thing and then meet the brother in between me and him we haven't gotten along like the greatest when he was coming up through the belts um <clears throat> so he got his black belt <clears throat> he teaches in nevada now um you know but it it is difficult but having like you know that brother rivalry like there's no other better better training partner you know what i mean like yeah. your your buddy's not gonna try to kill you you know what i mean like one of your homies aren't gonna try to kill you you have that occasional person that like doesn't give a crap and he'll try to kill you but your brothers are always gonna try to kill you right <laughs> that's just the way it is you know and then that's why you see a lot of people in jiu-jitsu that are like with brothers that are just crazy good you know so it's because of that right yeah yeah it is that is a truly unique thing i mean and you see like sets of brothers like i've seen different brothers like not just the no gears but there's been other people in the ufc yeah and, 
It, it, but it's always like twos. It's never fours. Yeah. You know? yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that's awesome. So when, like, when you're just a teenager, like, you end up like getting to go to Brazil and stuff, but like, spoke no Portuguese. Like, what was that like? That was wild. I and so I got on a plane. Never been on a plane before. Uh, went with this guy I knew for like a month, and he didn't speak any English. And I went and stayed at his house for three months. Was my first trip um, at fifteen, and it was just like it was. It was kind of difficult. Like I got homesick pretty quick. And I puked before I got on the plane because I was nervous. I'd never been away from home, so it was it was wild. And when I got there, you t I just kind of like. You know, I went to Manaus. So San Paulo is a little bit different because some people speak English. You know, there's white people there. There's, you know, there's people that like it. But I went to Manaus. There's none of that there, right? So when I went, I was, it was just like, it's not because I wanted, I had the goal to like learn Portuguese. It was just kind of, it just happened, you know? So um, I had to learn the language. I got to train really hard. Um, they didn't show me much. They just beat up the white kid for months on end. But, um, you know, I got really tough. So, you know, I'm grateful for it. Just, I wish, looking back, I was like, yeah, well, I wish they would have showed me some more stuff. You know what I mean? That would have been nice, but whatever. <laughs> How much of an influence did that have on you, like, that early on, like, shaping what you've become oh. and what you've done with competitions and stuff? Man, I came back and I was a different person. Just to how hard they train and, like, they they – they like beat me up pretty bad. Not like, you know, to not in a bad way, just like to the point where it's like, damn, dude, like I'm not learning a damn thing. I'm just getting really tough and really mean. And, you know, um, but they were like outside the gym. They're super nice. Everybody protected me like on the street. Like we had this, you know, but I had to do the same. Right. So if somebody was in trouble, then that was the, what they told me when I got there. Like, Hey, if you're at a party or if you're, out with a friend and they get jumped if you don't you better jump in there with them so i was like oh shit all right so never been as fight in my life at that point and i was like all right so it was it definitely like now these days i'm like i wish i would have went to like one of the brazilians that were already in the states you know at that age like you know i think cabrina was there pretty early on like he was there when i was, i would have been 17 so i guess not um Hamilton hall was around the same time um so i wish i would just went somewhere here you know what i mean because they like they would teach you right like otherwise their business will fail so <laughs> brazil's like you know they just paid you know i think it was like 30 dollars our money 20 dollars our money to use the mats yeah, but there was really no instruction ever so yeah how, how many times have you been to brazil uh since overall oh man it's like I think like seven times all together. I've been out there. Like I spent like two years there. Nice. Nice. So man, you're, you're a fierce competitor. Like a lot of people would just call you like a Matt Savage. Um, like how do you keep that up long-term man? You've, you're, you're in the adult division. You, you've moved your way up. Like, what are you like 28 years old? Is that true? Yeah. 27. Yeah. 27. But man, how do you like how how what is your approach to sustaining like your training level like and your competition preparation like has it evolved? Do you like what is your method? Some of your um, I mean, back maybe like three years ago, um, I would be able to just train, beat my body up, and go through it, and just like kind of be dumb in that sense of like, oh, I'm injured, I'll just push through it. 
but now it's like, okay, now it's like, it's not because I, I, I don't have that drive. I do. And I feel, but I, I realize over time that, you know, taking a break is way more beneficial sometimes than just like pushing through the injury. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I've pushed through a lot of injuries and like, I was like, man, if I would have just taken two weeks off, probably all the rest of the little injuries would have healed, you know, and I would have been actually better today and like in better shape today than, um, than I am now. So, um, but I have had to change quite a bit this last year and a half. So I got married and then my wife got pregnant on, on the wedding night, of course. And then, uh, so then I decided to like grow up like super quick and I just, you know, it, that was a game changer for me. So I, you know, this, uh, I just started competing this year before all this crap happened. Like, um, I was going to compete the most I've ever competed ever. That was my goal, like twice a month. Um, but you know, all this crap happened. So I was on like six tournaments already, uh, before it happened. So, yeah, man. Like what, are, what are your thoughts on like, you being a competitor, probably pulling some sponsorships and stuff like that with like I, all IBJJF tournaments have been canceled for the foreseeable future. Like, where's that put you? Um, so I have a tournament coming up with like a lot of tough dudes. There's like three or four world champions in the division. Um, it's an eight man bracket. So I'm going to Houston to do that. Um, that's the 20th of June. So, um, I mean, I'm getting these little invites and stuff like that and fight to win is opening, you know? Yes. So, so I'm doing little things like that, you know? So I'm going to do it as much as I can for sure. Nice. So, you know, I take a little, few comments on the, the physical side of things. Like, do you, do you have any like mindsets that you feel like, I mean, obviously you probably developed a super mindset around toughness and like, like what you're saying when you're in Brazil, but like, what are some things about like your competition mindset that you carry to every, every time you go on the mat, like are there any, any things that you do that are like unique ritualistic to you or, or anything like that? Um, not, not crazy. Um, I do. I, so everybody that knows me, that's trained with me know that like I'm 20 times better than I am in competition, <laughs> you know? So um, and that's one thing I've been working on and that's like probably my hardest thing to learn. I do feel like I've gotten better, like since, uh, you know, probably seven or eight months ago, just competing a lot and just like working on it, just not caring, you know, cause I've fought like, except for like the three or two big names, I fought literally everyone, <laughs> you know? So it, it's like, man, the worst thing that can happen is you lose. Right. And I know that everybody says that, but it's like literally the worst thing. Like that's the worst thing. You get tapped out. Maybe you get hurt a little bit, a little tweak. No, no more than you can in training. And that's the worst thing. So the, the hardest part for me has been the, the mindset in competition has definitely been hard because I know like if I competed, like I like training here, like I would be like way better, but, um, you know, that's the, the main thing I've been working on. As far as, like, ritualistic stuff, I don't really – I like to take an ice bath the night before. Um, it just makes my body feel, like, way better for competition the next day. Regardless if I took, like, a week off before just to let my body heal, that ice bath, like, helps me a ton. So, um, I pray also. Um, you know, try to do good deeds no matter what, right? So, you know, especially before competition. Like, I don't know why. Sometimes I just, like, get weird. And like you see like a homeless person like on the side of the road and they're like asking for money it's like shit man like 
you compete the next day. It's like, do I really want to pass? <laughs> like, give myself good bad karma, you know? So I don't know. You just think too much into it sometimes. But um, you know, yeah, but not really crazy. Like any, I just pray and take my ice bath and just kind of. Yeah. Chill. Oh man. So like, I've heard you make some comments about, um, I know you've been, been a part of like, uh, some bigger associate or a big association and like made some comments about like this culture that exists, uh, at least in the IBGJF of like, oh yeah, you're in the finals of the world championships, which you've been working forever to achieve hypothetically, yeah. you know, and, oh man, but you know, this team member yours, he's been on the team longer. So oh, yeah, that's fucking like, like what? what I leave the team right then and there. Like, like what is so, up with that? Like, what? What are your <laughs> thoughts about that culture, and, and how is that healthy for the sport? So it, it's it's not healthy at all. Um, but it, it is just a kind of a power move, and I don't know why they do it. Because if both people are in the finals, like why? I they can't do that in the finals anymore. By the way, I don't know if you knew that, but oh no, um, I didn't actually. Good. Yes, yeah, so semifinals they can do that. So what happens? This is what happens. This is the frustrating part. So I'm gonna use. Um, uh, actually, I shouldn't say his name. I don't want to put him on bus. But uh, so uh, there's a top competitor, and he was really upset, like in the stands afterwards. And I was on the same team, and I was like, "Man, what the heck? Like, why is this guy like upset?" And I've talked to him before, and he's also an American. And I was like, "Why is this guy upset?" So I go up to him, like, hey, "What's up, dude?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's like, I nothing. I'm just like, I was supposed to be fighting the semifinals, but they made me close out to a, uh, you know, I guess seniority, right?" you know higher up in the ranks i'm like well, what the f so they closed out made you close out because this guy wants a break before the final right and then it's seniority i'm like yeah and this guy's american the other guy's brazilian so i'm like eh, okay <laughs> it's talking about racism right so it's like okay and it's happened more than like more than just a couple times, you know? And this guy was, like, really upset because he's, like, in the same boat as me. He's working his whole life for this, right? He's been – he's competed all the way through kids, tournaments, juvenile, everything. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, yeah, man. He's like, and I told him, like, hey, that's why I left the team because he was on the same team. He is on the same team still, which I don't know how. But I'm like, you know, <laughs> I was just told him to F off. But I was forced to close out a couple times, and that's why I left the team. Uh, alliance so yeah man that uh that's a, a super it's a super odd thing to me i'm glad that they don't do that in the finals but still uh it is it's like giving somebody a break i mean it's like oh yeah well we'll just rest our guys so we can get t you know team points or or whatever yeah it is thereafter but well it's frustrating for the other guy too man that's the sad part you know what i mean it's like but anyway it's it is what it is i hope they change it i think they will people will just start going like no you know what fuck you i'm gonna, I'm gonna go out there i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna do like this is what i've dreamed about and you're just gonna tell me to sit down like no nah, it's not gonna happen man and I, I ultimately think that that's maybe like one of the big issues with associations is that, yeah uh you know dude you're your own unique person you run a unique business you run your own business and I just don't like, I don't like how a lot of times people try and hold, have an influence in what it is you are doing and how, you, like, I understand like the coach, 
coach athlete relationship. It's not necessarily that, but like, like dictating how your competition matches, like that, that's all you, man. Like it's the same thing yeah. with how you run your business. Like if, if you want to take a business pr practice from your, your ranking instructor, cool. I mean, but for them being like, you, this is how you should run your business. Like I just don't really see the, the need for all that. No. Kind of stuff. I don't see the need for that. I also don't see the need of people paying like these outrageous numbers for associations, right? For the name. It's like, they're yeah. not doing shit for you. They're just, it's the name, right? You're paying for the name, which do, honestly doesn't do much for you. Like when it comes down to it, it's like where you live, how many jujitsu schools, how you run your business. Are you polite? Do you help everyone? Right. That's, that's how you run a business. You don't, I mean, it, like they have great um, <laughs> curriculums, I should say. They, they do some of them have great ones i've seen others like this is stupid why would i ever do this um but you know we've always kind of just done our own thing since the get-go like 10 years ago we opened this gym and you know it's been great i mean we you know we've learned obviously where our do's and don'ts as time went on and we're not perfect we're not perfect right <laughs> but um, you know, as of right now, I feel like everybody loves it here. You know, we never get really too many complaints at all. Um, but just by doing our own thing and just kind of, you know, being friends with everyone. Yeah. Last question, man. Like what's a, you know, another sort of like stigma type of a topic that I like to talk to different folks in different regions about is like, how's the cross training culture there? Like, oh yeah. I, 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 I enforce it. So here, like in California, not so much. It is getting more lenient, it seems like. Like people just like, you have to understand whether or not, whether or not like your instructor or let's say Hodger Gracie himself tells me, hey, you're not going to train there. I'm probably, if I want to go train somewhere and just keep it under the radar, I'm going to do it anyway. Right? That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a yeah. grown ass man. You're a grown ass man. I'm going to go do what I want. Right. It doesn't mean I'm going to leave your team. I just want to go train somewhere else. Like get some different looks or maybe I'm friends with this dude. <laughs> this is a different time we live in. Not back when this jujitsu started and like you wouldn't train somewhere else and you were just a trader. It makes no sense, you know? So, um, but as far as like what I think it's going, where I think it's going, I think it's getting a lot better, but people that get upset about it are just, you know, they're scared. They're scared about losing them. And that tells something about their insecurities because, you know, I tell people like, oh, you know, I fought Keenan how many times? Like four times, right? Keenan Cornelius. And like I had four of my students, two of my main guys, like uh, one black belt, one brown belt. Four of my students go down there and train. I was like, yeah, please go train. Like they went to San Diego to go just, I think they were vacationing, going to the beach or something for a buddy's uh, party. But I was like, yeah, please go train. I mean, why wouldn't I not <laughs> – you know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. So, you yeah, know, man. I don't know. One, I wonder how much of that too is not taught by the people that are a couple of generations ahead of us of like, you know, cause like you got to think like people from your dad's generation, like my coach's generation, yeah. like when they were getting going, I don't know about California, but man, I remember, I remember vividly when I was a, a blue belt, there were only five white belts in Arkansas. Now there's over 50, you know, no, that's, that's 
Yeah. And like, I remember like one of the only blue belts I knew when I was a white belt was the, was the coach that owned the MMA school that I was training at, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, and he was under that white belt who literally at one point, everybody in the state trained under, but it's like him being sort of like ground zero, any, you know, any relationships or any, like people get sideways with him or, or move on. It's just like it, it this sort of weird culture gets propagated uh, and instilled in some affiliates sometimes, you know? Oh yeah. And it still happens, dude. And people still get like chastised and they leave teams. You know what I mean? Like, cause there's a lot of switching teams now, you know, people switch teams. Yeah. They, they, but they get like, you know, people get mad, like send these like weird messages to them. It's like, why are you doing that? Like we were just friends yesterday. Now I switched teams and now you're being a dick, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I don't understand, yeah. you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah it's super weird the the stigma around it but i do think it's getting a lot better like i do see people just kind of cross training doing their own thing and um they're still under one team they still train the majority of the time but when it comes down to it it's like what if i move you know if i move from reading to san diego who am i going to train with probably autos right like that doesn't mean i don't love my soul fighter friends or my uh double five friends but you know but i'm like i mean san diego what else do you want me to do you know, you know what I mean? like, so they have to understand that so it's just a different time we live in it is man I'll, i always joke around this about this kind of stuff it's like the jujitsu thought police enforcing their rules on people oh yeah it's crazy i you know what i love this is the one of the main things i love and i i don't know you're an instructor um so you probably know but people come to you like people that are probably a lot smarter than you a lot smarter than me like people come to me that are a lot smarter than me and ask me advice on like things I don't give, I don't know anything about. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I'm sort sort of, you know, I don't, I'm like, no, like I, I just tell them I don't know. Like, no, that's not my, like, I'll have this like, you know, like doctors like come in, not ask me medical advice, obviously, but ask me like, you know, like, uh, what should I do in this situation? Not jujitsu, like, marriage or something i'm like i don't fucking know <laughs> Dude, you're 20 years older than me first of all right you've got, went through you've got a lot more wisdom than me like i have no idea but it's so funny like the people will just listen to whatever like uh their instructor has to say right about life like like you know how to do your fucking taxis yeah like anything you know it is interesting like it, it... There seems to be a weird association in a lot of people's minds. And in some, some people, I think that our instructors propagate this, that, you know, you and I should be life coaches for these people. Yeah. But like, I get it. Like, you know, eat right or eat like semi right. Like I, I get it, you know, like I, I understand that kind of point of it and like push yourself and like, don't give up like that shit like that. Like perseverance. Yeah. I understand. Right. But like, don't ask me like these weird like questions you should ask your therapist you know what i mean like don't like i don't know like i have no idea i just tell people i don't know like, i was gonna ask you that question because i thought you were smart <laughs> oh man yeah you know that's yeah. the most uncomfortable part about this you know i had this uh i trained with this guy for a long time that did like uh, these speeches after class like these like little like you know, which is cool. I get like little short ones, but he would like sit everybody down and have these like long speeches. I'm like, man, like I would just like, I believe in what I teach, right? My jujitsu, right? And the way I live my life, 
and you know being like i think i have okay morals so like but when it comes down to like sitting everybody down like it just it has these pep talks and people like i just don't feel comfortable doing that like i just i'm like man these people are like i can learn every anything from anyone in this room right maybe not about jiu-jitsu but you know about a lot of things right like, why would i sit here and give you guys this pep talk like i know everything you know yeah yeah man for uh, i know exactly what you're saying like i and man i kind of just think it like we're in it, the people business like with all of the members that we deal with and stuff like so it just does take on this broad array of weird uh weird instances where we just kind of have to respond to what they're throwing down or what we're seeing because man all these inst- all the instructors i've ever trained with are different and have different processes and approaches sure. and how they try and uh connect with their athletes and stuff i kind of think i just try and meet people with their needs like yeah when i when i can yeah yeah so i agree like you to push the you know I was explaining this to a student of mine. I'm like, I hold people at different standards, right? Like not everybody should be held to the same standard, but like, listen, this guy, this guy here, he's, he works five days a week, right? He's got kids. He can only train three days a week, right? He's 40 plus years old, right? I'm not going to hold them at the same standard to get a blue belt than I would, or get a purple belt, let's say, than I would one of my savage juvenile kids that just murder everyone. Right. Why would I hold them at the same standard? It makes no sense. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's what you have to realize. There's different levels to this game, just like a black belt. Right. You just said there's 50 black belts in Arkansas. Right. There's probably five that kill everyone. Right. True. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's like, it's the same way in the jiu-jitsu world. You know, there's how many black belts that are registered on IBGF is like 3000 almost already. Right. Registered. Think about unregistered. It's yeah. probably, you know, 30,000, which is still a small number for like, worldwide but still i mean that's i mean 50 black belts in arkansas arkansas is a small place shit that surprised me when you said we're, that we're, like, we're small and we're we're rural like i mean you know like there's a lot of big towns on the interstates but then there's a lot of big towns that you cannot use an interstate to get to you know that yeah. are you're going to go through the mountains like, Oh yeah, we, uh, Brian Stubner's a guy. Uh, he mentioned, I think you may know him. He's out of Springfield, but if I took off to Springfield, I would drive through like no civilization for a couple hours and I'd hit Branson. And then like 30 minutes later, there's Springfield. But like, there is literally, I mean, just a couple little stops. It's like one little town, Harrison, which actually was like the KKK capital Arkansas at one point. (laughs) history lesson but you know it's just we're still rural we didn't have like a lot of roads for the longest time i teach arkansas history at the college and it's like that's always been our biggest obstacle is how sort of unconnected we are right yeah so so you're like alaska almost it sounds like alaska it, with with all of our mountains and forests man it is and it's a beautiful state lots of nature which i know you said you had some family here but uh yeah it, i've never been i want to go though that's right, one, yeah. one of my bucket lists is I definitely want to go. Well, hey, yeah. Maybe we can have you out for a seminar or something sometime, man. I would definitely. Yeah. I just love to come train and just kind of, you know, see where my family came from. How You said you were like an hour from Little Rock, right? About, about an hour on Interstate yeah. 40. So, um, which 40 is the interstate I take. I've driven to California before and it's like straight 40 the whole way till uh, yeah. you hit like, what is it? Uh, was it Barstow? I think. Yeah. Something like that. 
I yeah, I five can get like so Reading is an interesting place. So Reading is like the city you hit before like I five gets like super beautiful and like mountains and you drive through two lakes and like all this like crazy cool stuff to see. And then <laughs> south of I five is just straight fields and until you hit Sac and then it's straight fields some more until you hit Bakersfield and then it's you know what I mean? So it's like it's there's a big part of California that's just untouched yeah. still. You know? Yeah. Well, right on, man. Well, Tanner, I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, you know. Hey, I'm sorry about last time, too, man. I apologize. Man, I almost felt bad for hitting you up because, like, I've seen how many of these interviews you've been given. I I didn't want to make this talk all about, like, the COVID. I appreciate it. No, it was definitely refreshing not talking about COVID and, like, all the lawyer shit that I had to go through. (laughs) Because it's it's, honestly, I think it's – now we're worried about – our windows getting broken so <laughs> we're not went, we're not really worried about the virus uh, no more so you know 2020 ever, man uh, so. this has been a i have you seen those memes last thing sorry I, have you seen those memes it's like hey we just found this cave with like seven monsters that we thought were extinct and they're like <laughs> this, this not the year like, man not the year dan shut it down <laughs> close the game <laughs> Yeah. oh man i saw one earlier it was a cruise ship and then it was like a guy over here paddling and it was like coronavirus the whole world u.s on a side quest yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man right, right on man. bro take it All easy right, man have a great day yeah. you too see you